Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Have you ever felt the pressure to fake it till you make it? Or a little unqualified in your workplace? Or perhaps even dreaming about starting a business or a nonprofit, but feeling totally unsure where to start and completely afraid of failure? Well, today we're going to be talking about this thing called imposter syndrome. I didn't make that phrase up. In fact, one of my readers messaged me on social media asking me, how do you overcome imposter syndrome? And to be honest, in the moment, I just wanted to text her back, IDK, because <laughs> I don't know all the time. However, I loved how she said it and the way that she worded it, and it resonated with me so much just from my own story. There have been so many times where I have felt like, I have no business doing this. I have no right to be here. What am I even doing? But as I thought about her question, I realized that although I totally resonated with the feeling, I also have learned some simple ways to overcome those feelings and really tackle what's in front of me one day at a time. And so today, I want to pass those lessons along to you. So let's go back to the beginning of this whole thing, because right now I'm this girl in your ears. And, you know, I think sometimes it can really help to go to the very beginning because you're kind of listening to my middle, (laughs) if that makes sense. This is the middle of a story that's being written for me. But I want to go back to when a lot of what I'm doing now got started. And it started with a really crappy internship interview. I went to an interview in the spring, and it was a cold, dreary day, and it was for some fancy-schmancy business interview that I probably wasn't even qualified for. But anyways, went into this office on like the 18th floor of this tall skyscraper building, and all these businessmen in suits shook my hand, and I felt like a little twerp walking through there trying to act professional. And It was honestly miserable, and not necessarily because I didn't feel qualified to be there, but also because it just felt so stiff and just not at all true to really who I was and what I really wanted to do with my life. And so I thought, why would I invest a whole summer here when I don't even like being here for 45 minutes? And so later that that month, or maybe it was a week or two later, I don't remember quite how long it was, but I remember my mom came down to visit me during, I think it was my junior year of college. And she came down to visit and we were driving through town and I just started to spill my guts. I was like, mom, 
I don't know what I want to do with my life. I have, I'm getting a health administration degree, but I'm just, I don't think I want to do this. This internship interview was so boring and I can't wear gray. And I just, I don't know what to do. And she, I, I honestly expected her to tell me to tough it out. And, you know, this is important for my resume and, you know, all the typical mom things that you would expect. But instead she looked at me and she was like, okay, so don't. And I was like, what do you mean don't? Like, I have to do this. I have to, like, you know, feed myself in a year and a half. And she's like, well, yeah, obviously, but why don't you just try some stuff? You've never really tried stuff. You've always been such, you know, you've been so dedicated to your schoolwork and your and your GPA and all of that. That's so great, Jay, and I'm so proud of you. But try some stuff. You Get creative. And so this is embarrassing, but I thought modeling would be a great route. So I went to a modeling agency and thought I could totally be on commercials. And they rejected me. So strike one. And I went back home and I'm like, gosh, what am I going to do now? And then I had this idea, maybe I'll start a scrapbooking business. First of all, I don't know where I came up with that idea. I've never scrapbooked in my entire life. But I thought I wanted to do something creative. So then after a few months, I had been exploring these creative gifts because I really felt like mom just kind of gave me permission. And I think sometimes that's kind of the beginning of something awesome is just being given permission to explore, to experiment before we have a perfect plan. And I think in our in our society today, we can feel so much pressure to have a label. Like when someone like, you know, your dad's friend or that distant cousin is like, so what do you do? You want to be able to give them a two, you know, two word or short sentence response that's impressive and cool sounding and clear and they don't have to ask any questions and you have no explaining to do. So when you start doing, you know, something that isn't so easy to understand or you try exploring some different um, interests of yours, that doesn't always sound so cool, especially before it ever becomes anything successful. And so I think that's what I was so afraid of. But then when I told mom, I was just so, un, you know, uncomfortable with just pursuing this very status quo route. I didn't know what to do. And she said, just try stuff. I suddenly got permission to explore and experiment before I had a perfect plan. So long story short, I would begin to, you know, after I would finish homework in the evenings or finish up a workout after classes or whatever, I would actually start journaling. And I was doing like kind of informal hand lettering is what I would call it. It was calligraphy and just using my handwriting because just side note, I won the handwriting contest in third grade. So basically a hidden talent of mine. So anyways, I am doodling on these pages. And at the time I was dating my now husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, and he was a college athlete. And so because he had such a crazy schedule with athletics and academics, he took up guitar as a creative outlet. So he saw that I had this little knack for drawing letters and doodling and things like that. And he not really knowing, I think being a guy, didn't really quite know exactly um, what he was suggesting because he was like, hey, you know, you're kind of good at that. You should start an Etsy store. And for those of you who don't know, Etsy is like an online craft market where you can sell canvases that you make or digital products that you make or anything like that. But it was somewhat new around that time. It was very early on. So I don't think either of us really had a clue as to what it would entail. Um, And so I thought, oh, cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. And so I made an Etsy account. And I was in my sorority house, I was a junior in college, and would doodle on computer paper with, like, crayon, okay, like I'm a third grader. And I would take pictures. It wasn't crayon. I'm being dramatic. But I would take pictures of whatever I would draw with my 
little, I think I still had dumb phone because I don't even know if I, I don't even think I had an iPhone at that point. But either way, I would take pictures, but I would go and I would set up um, a little, like a little white backdrop with a curtain because um, that's what I would see other people do. Like I saw Instagrammers all had white stuff and this is like white walls and white everything. And this was right when kind of like Instagram was starting to become a thing that people use to share their business or start to blog or whatever. And so I was like, oh, I could totally do that. And so I go down in the basement, like literally the dungeon of our sorority house, and I would set up these little, I guess, displays and take pictures with this like two megapixel phone and put fake flowers by these computer paper doodlings that I would do. And then I would post them on (laughs) social media. And it was so funny. And then I would put them on my Etsy store. I don't know why I ever thought someone would buy my Sharpie marker on computer paper, but people did, which is hilarious. And so I remember I was sitting there at my desk and I had just uploaded a picture of something that I drew or something I doodled. I think I wrote like, be still or something. And I got my first order from a sweet woman in Texas. And I was like, bless your soul, sister. And so then I had to figure out, oh, shoot, now I got to send this thing to her. I didn't really anticipate that part. So this was just like the most makeshift thing ever. I went to Target and got one of those envelopes and figured out how to like, I literally like hand wrote on there, like, dear Denise. (laughs) And that was how I shipped it. I didn't know that you should have shipping labels or like a company address. And so all these people had the sorority address that I was living at now. So sorry to all my hundred sorority sisters that I put at risk during that time. That was really smart of me. Um, and so that was kind of the start of this little thing that was just a little hobby. I was just exploring. And then over time, I was sharing, you know, these little creepy pictures that I would put, you know, take in the creepy dungeon. They weren't creepy pictures, but they were in a creepy setting because I was in this like downstairs basement, cinder block hole in the wall. I would post those photos and slowly I was getting more and more orders just for these doodles that I would do. And then I finally got to the point where like, oh my gosh, I can't hand do these anymore. Like I can't hand make these and also go to school and also, you know, do life. Okay. This is a lot. And I was packaging them and I was shipping them and I was, you know, taking returns. And so, um, anyways, I finally figured out, I just started researching a lot. This was before there was a whole lot of resources for stuff like this. This was just when kind of online shops were becoming a little bit more mainstream, but it was still super early. And so I was trying to figure out how do I make my, you know, design a digital thing that somebody else somewhere far away, somewhere fancy could print on this stuff because I cannot keep handwriting it. I mean, I'm not kidding. One time I sent a hundred hand doodled mugs to Alaska and then I got an email because half of them broke because how do you ship a hundred mugs? I don't know. Anyways, so I finally figured out how to digitize this stuff and figured out how to mass order printed mugs. And so then come like the fall of my senior year, I was getting these giant shipments of mugs and journals and canvases and all this stuff to my sorority house, dropped off at the front door and house mom Nancy would get so frustrated. She'd call up to my bedroom and be like, your mugs are here. And I had to come downstairs and bribe a friend to help me lug these huge heavy boxes up to the third floor storage closet because that was the only place I was allowed to keep them in the dusty storage closet with all of the girls suitcases where they put their suitcases anybody from out of state so that's what that was my fancy little shop anyways so that was kind of how this whole thing began and it kept just growing and so I that 
fall, I recruited a lot of my sorority sisters, especially my roommate, who also happened to be my maid of honor in my wedding. Thank you, Kinsey, for being a gem. Um, I recruited her, and I was like, hey, um, can you help me package some of this stuff? You know, and then I would, like, buy her dinner or something. And then we'd recruit a couple of our other friends. And before I knew it, we had a crew of a few of us sitting up till all hours of the night when we probably should have been studying. And we were packaging mugs and all of these other little products that I had into these boxes, packing peanuts everywhere. We would just leave it such a mess. And I mean, it really started to grow that year because I was, you know, packaging with my friends. And then of course you're talking with your friends and you're sharing funny stories from the week and you're swapping advice or, you know, offering a listening ear or prayer or whatever it was. And so then the lessons that I was learning in that space um, really just became something that translated into, well, I have this little shop social media page. And as I would post a product like Be Still or whatever it said, I would often share a related, you know, a story that somehow related to it or something that I was learning in those conversations packaging the product itself. So this went on for a little while, and I remember just feeling like such a goober. I mean, I felt like a total imposter. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if people only knew that I was doing customer support emails from biology class, or that me and all of my, you know, friends without college degrees are in this like little storage closet stuffing their mug into a box and shipping it to Germany, which was actually pretty cool. That was crazy. Um, And just watching this thing grow almost kind of beyond my control and feeling like a total fraud the whole time, feeling like I'm just faking it till I make it and trying to act professional with these merchandisers. I don't know what they're talking about with wholesale, but that sounds great because it sounds like I'm getting the wholesale. Didn't realize what that actually meant. So I had to learn a lot along the way. And as I did, and as it grew faster and faster, I realized, okay, this is getting to the point where I, it's a little too much for me. And I was getting ready to graduate. And my husband and I were thinking about getting married. We had just, I think we had just gotten engaged around the same time. And I was like, whoa, girl, I mean, this is great, but you're going to have to go get a real job because I had gotten a healthcare administration degree and I thought, you know, this is just a fun little hobby. This is just a little thing that I'm doing in college. It's a temporary creative outlet. But I figured that after I graduated, I would be required to go get what I would call a real job. You know, I thought because I liked this work, it couldn't possibly be work. But I had no idea what it would lead to because right around that time, I had decided to close the doors to the retail shop. I thought, I need a little time and a little break away from packaging and shipping because I'm about to graduate and go home and I don't have a house of 100 girls to help me makeshift package all of these things. So... I went home, and at the same time, though, again, I had been writing and sharing different um, creative ideas and what I had been learning, and so that seemed to really kind of keep it sustained for a little while until I kind of figured out what I wanted to do next, and I was preparing for my wedding that summer and just kind of thinking through where I wanted to go, still convinced that after I got married and moved to wherever my husband would be, um, because he was... He was playing professional football. That's another story. But anyways, because all that was happening, I thought once we settle, I'm going to have to get a real job. So I still kind of put off the retail side for a while, which ended up being the biggest blessing because even though um, I took a few months off of that, it was a great opportunity to pull back and like kind of reevaluate and look at where I really wanted to take it and what my real passions were. Sometimes pausing can be one of the best things for our businesses, for our work, even when it's an accidental business 
business. You know, I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur necessarily. It kind of became that. I didn't set out to become a writer or a content creator. A lot of people ask, how did you get started in writing? Or how did you get started in podcasting or in speaking or all these things? And I just look at them. I'm like, well, I started doodling on mugs in my sorority house. And they're like, say what? You know, there's so much more to a story. And it wasn't because I was like, gosh, I want to be this speaker. I want to be this fill in the blank. It was, I want to just explore some creative gifts, you know? So anyways, throughout that summer, I remember thinking, I have to get a real job because I'm not qualified to be a business owner. And isn't that the narrative we so often tell ourselves, right? And so it ended up kind of being one of those things where it still played out over time. I In this season, I created this little movement, or not movement, I created like a little tagline. It just started as a tagline that I would put on my social medias, and I think it, my social medias, I'm not sure if that's a plural. Oh, well. Anyways, I'm not the grammar police today. Um, like I said, didn't start, didn't set out to be a writer. Um, but anyways, so I created this little tagline, and I put it on my website, and I put it on my social media, and it just said, your brokenness is welcome here. It was so simple, and I wanted it to be that because I was sharing a lot of stories that I was learning from conversations with my girlfriends, and I had created a lot of just products that had encouraging phrases on them and um, little truths to get people through their day. And so I wanted something that felt very encouraging and inclusive and truth-based. And so that's what I put. And I didn't think anything of it. All I wanted to do was make people feel welcome. Well, the response to that was so crazy. People would post that all over their social media and tag me and share it with their friends and tell me how much it encouraged them and how much it made them feel loved. And I was like, wow, okay. That wasn't, again, that wasn't necessarily what, I mean, I'm glad that was my point. I wanted you to feel loved, but I didn't anticipate that much of a response. And so right around this time, a lot of the things that I had been writing started to gain some traction online too. So when I brought that whole tagline in, I had a mentor and I was telling her about how all this was kind of happening and I wasn't sure what to do with it. And I wanted to steward it well, but didn't know what that looked like. Because again, I felt like I don't have a business degree. I'm not qualified. I'm too young yada, yada, yada. And so she said, you know what? No, I think you have a gift and I think there's something here. I can probably figure out how to run a shop. And I was like, wait, what? And so then suddenly she became my shop manager and the shop came back to life. And on top of that, she was also my mentor, helping me navigate through the early seasons of adulting after college um, and also now being an entrepreneur. And so Um, Anyway, so she came alongside, started to figure out how to run the shop. And what we did is we said, let's take that that phrase that resonates with everyone and let's put it on some t-shirts. Let's put it on some sweatshirts. Let's give people not only an opportunity to hear this message and receive this message, but also to be aware of it, to be a welcomer, to share it with the world. And so we figured out how to do it all. I mean, we laugh. Sometimes we look at each other and we're like, man, we fumbled our way through this pretty well. And I think that's really how you experience what you're made to do is you fumble your way through some failures and through some, you know, trial and error and you figure it out. And that's really what happened. And I had no idea what that would lead to. I had no idea that it would lead to starting to write books or that it would lead to a podcast or that it would lead to all of these other things that have kind of been built upon this small business that I started my senior year or my junior year of college. I wasn't even a senior. My junior year um, when my mom and I were just driving through town and she gave me permission to experiment before I had a perfect plan. 
So while I'm grateful for how much it has turned into and how many opportunities to do what I'm passionate about at such a young age that it has brought, there have also been so many times along the way that I felt like a total imposter. I mean, when my roommates were helping me in the storage closet and I was doing customer service emails from class, I felt like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. When it started to turn into writing and speaking opportunities because of the stories I was sharing along with my shop, I would literally get up on stage and my armpits would sweat so bad because I was so nervous. It was the weirdest like twitch. I know that's kind of probably TMI, but just real talk. I mean, that is sometimes our bodies will experience the the anxiety that we feel and that will begin to transcend into this to the external decisions that we make. And I often felt like what am I doing here? I have no business being here. I have no training for this. I was just a girl that said, I'm going to just go for it <laughs> where I'm at. And I didn't have this five-year plan or I didn't look at some speaker lady or some author or some um, entrepreneur or some content creator and think I want to be that. It was just, I like to doodle. And so I will. And then it was, oh, people like my doodles. So I will give them to them. Oh, okay. That means I need to now digitize. Like it was one step at a time rather than trying to tackle the whole mountain. And so it's funny though, because even along that one step at a time, there was still so many experiences where I thought, this is crazy sauce. What am I doing? But the more I just embraced where I was at rather than envying where I wasn't or worrying about where I wasn't, I grew. And that's still true today. There's still moments where I'm like, uh, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> or I think I know, you know, and I have to give myself a little bit more credit. I've taken the time to learn and educate myself and grow, but you never really arrive, right? We're all just figuring it out. And so even today, I mean, and I'm sure this will be the story forever. There's always going to be times where someone has it a little bit more figured out than me. There's always going to be someone a little bit older or a little bit wiser or a little bit more experienced or someone a little cuter or who's just a little bit funnier. And that's annoying. But if I can learn to look past that and just really embrace where I'm at, I'm always able to come and show up with more and better um, value than if I were worrying about what I can't do. If I can just choose to say, but, you know, I I don't know how to run a full-blown business. In fact, I'm not even going to worry about that. I'm just going to doodle today and I'm going to take a picture of it and I'm going to share it. You know, I just started there as simple and insignificant as that is. And now like four and maybe four and a half years later, four years later, I don't know how long it's been. I'm sitting here getting to talk to you in your ears from across the the country, from across the state. I mean, how cool is that, right? So it's amazing how a small yes right where you are without a totally perfect plan can make such a difference. And so because of that story that I've lived in this very unique career path and just life journey that I've taken and sometimes feel like I've just fumbled into or had to fake it till I make it, although I often would rather say I would like to faith it till I make it because I did have a lot of faith that this is just going to work out however it's supposed to, whether it's meant to be a business or a job or it's just meant to be something that I do for fun and it's my creative outlet and I'm allowing myself to explore my passions, great. So because I've really like learned a lot in the last couple years, I want to share a few of the things that um, have helped me grow past imposter syndrome and really make an impact even when I felt completely unqualified and totally unsure. You ready for these? All right. Okay, let's do this. So the first thing that I would tell you, there's going to be seven. So first thing I would tell you is to ask more questions. 
be coachable. This is not something that comes naturally to me. When I was like three years old, my mom always jokes that she would try to help me tie my shoes or put my shirt on, and I would look at her and I would say, no, me do. And I always laugh because it's so true to my personality. My tendency is to DIY life. I like to do it yourself, figure it out, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and go for it. And while I think there's a lot of good in that, and I love that that's sometimes, you know, that helps me figure things out. And I just push past boundaries and I push past obstacles. Sometimes it can also not be so good because I fail to ask questions and I fail to be coachable. And so something I've had to learn over the last several years is when you begin to feel like a fraud or like you're unqualified to be somewhere, instead of trying to mask that, instead of trying to be like, oh no, I'll just fake it till I make it because that's like some, you know, big popular thing I think in our um, social media digital world, the better thing is to say, you know what, actually, I'm not sure, let me find out about that. Or actually, Actually, you know what? You probably do know more than me. Can you teach me? You know, whether whether you're a business owner or starting a nonprofit or speaking or working as a teacher in a school and feeling like I'm the youngest teacher, I'm the most inexperienced, like they these other teachers probably don't respect me. You're not going to gain their respect by trying to just you know, DIY it, you're going to gain their respect by showing that you respect their wisdom and that you want to learn from them. And there might be some things that they tell you that you're like, that is worthless advice. I will never do that. But there might be some hidden gems that you don't even realize are there because you wouldn't have asked, you know? So I really think the biggest thing is to ask questions, be willing to be coachable because that creates like, it really does um, take the pressure off to have it all figured out. And it gives you the freedom to learn so much and figure it out as you go. The second thing I would say is to embrace your reality. Start where you are. Like I said, I could have said, oh, I'm in college. I shouldn't doodle or create an Etsy store. That would be dumb. And maybe it was dumb. I don't know. But I think sometimes are the things that we fumble into that might even look dumb to others, the things that don't make total sense, are the things that are the doors to our destiny. And so I really encourage you to just start where you are, embrace your reality, stop focusing on what you don't know, and start focusing on what you do have the ability to do right now. Even if that's just with a couple of your roommates in a storage closet, just trying something. The third thing I would say is be prepared to fail. And not just like expect failure. I think we hear that advice a lot in our society and I feel like that is total lame advice. Not because it's not good or not true, but because I don't think it's that helpful. I mean, When someone says expect failure, that makes me not want to try. However, if I can say, you know what, if I can expect failure and then not only expect it but also prepare for it, then I'm going to be so much more equipped to respond, not just react. Because when I failed and didn't really anticipate failure or didn't even kind of like mentally prepare for it, hey, if something goes wrong, here's how I would respond or here's my plan B or here's what I would do. I crumble. I totally crumble. But if I can face something with, okay, there is about a 50-50 chance that this is going to work out. So if I can just go into that with, I'm going to aim for success. I'm going to aim that this will work out. But if it doesn't, I'm going to trust that this is just going to be a building block to the next step in the journey. And so I can respond to that with an action plan. I can respond to it with grace, with integrity, with intentionality, rather than with fear and panic. Because I think when I face failure in my own life, it can be so tempting, fear sets in, right? And fear can be like, forget everything and run. I've heard it be an acronym that stands for forget everything and run. Just drop it, leave, whatever. And we often quit because of that. But if we can say, you know what? I'm not going to react with quitting. I'm going to respond with intentionality and equip myself with the right response when failure comes. 
you are not going to feel nearly as defeated when your lack of experience or when you feel underqualified due to a failure or your lack of experience causes failure. So that's just the biggest thing is prepare yourself to fail with how you'll respond rather than feeling like you're just reacting to something that went wrong. The fourth thing that I would say is consider who you can reach, serve, and impact where you are rather than focusing on who you can't, and then just do that. I think we can hear that one negative voice or maybe think of that one person in our workplace or that older crowd or that more experienced crowd that we can't reach because of our life experience or because of our age or because of how um, qualified we might be for a position or whatever. And to be honest, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but when I first started the shop and even when I first started writing a bit more, I tried to pretend I was older than I was. Like, I don't know why I thought in my brain that that would be a good idea, but I did. And then I remember after having the shop for a little while and writing alongside of it, I had a literary agent call me and tell me that she thought I could write a book, which I about peed my pants at because I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I'm like running this shop and you think I can write a book? I think I've written like eight Instagram posts. Are you kidding? Um, So that was flattering, but also kind of freaked me out. And so I felt like I had to act like super mature. I was driving home from like school for Thanksgiving break, but I was acting like I was traveling for the holidays to visit family with my family. Like I was trying to be so much more mature than I was because I thought this woman's going to totally change her mind and think I'm not qualified to do this thing that she thinks I'm qualified for because she's going to figure out I'm young, right? And so um, that's another whole long story. And I'm sure I'll tell you my book writing story at some point, but um, that was one area. And even just within what I was putting out online, I was trying to be older than I was because I was so afraid of that one kind of, you know, um, negative voice or that one woman who just is a know-it-all and thinks she knows more than me or probably didn't know more than me. Let's be real. Um, but just, you know, was like, oh, I didn't realize you were so young. Never mind and unfollow or I'm done with this, you know? And I think I was so preoccupied thinking about that one or two that I missed on how much I could actually more authentically serve those who really were in my peer group and those that I was really qualified to speak into in that season or that I was really best equipped to speak into. I don't think necessarily you have to be completely qualified to make a difference in anyone's life. Um, But I think I was overlooking where I was best equipped because I was trying to prove something that I wasn't. So I guess that whole thing is to say, consider really who it is that you can reach in this season or who you can impact and serve, even if, you know, there are other 22-year-old girls if you're 22 and starting off or, you know, other 31-year-old moms or whatever. But rather than trying to, you know, appeal to the corporate America when you feel like I haven't been in corporate America for 10 years or appeal to older women and you're 22. Like, don't do that. It literally will only hurt your craft and your ability to thrive. The fifth thing that I would say is to empathize and champion. If you can come alongside people and really get under them and be like, I am I am lifting you up. I am going to be that fire underneath you that just boosts you out of your seat, gets you off the couch, helps you believe in yourself. If you can really leverage people rather than trying to get them to like you, if you can cheer them on instead of trying to somehow earn their applause, you won't feel like an imposter nearly so much because you're not trying to put on a show. You're trying to be there for people. And people will actually resonate with you so much more. They're going to listen to what you have to say so much more if you can be the girl that says, I'm going to come alongside you. You know what? Yeah, teacher in the biology department that's 40 years older than me and knows everything about nucleuses and I don't. Um, Yeah, 
ask her or she knows everything about the eighth grade, you know, um, trends or whatever. Like ask her and then also champion her, encourage her, tell her how good of a job she's doing. You know, those people that we're almost intimidated by are the ones that we allow to you know, sit us out. And they haven't even sat us out. We sit ourselves out. And I think we make more of an impact when we empathize, understand, and champion rather than try to prove what we know. My friend put it to me like this. I think this is probably like a really famous person's quote, and I'm just oblivious and I don't know. But they said, people won't care what you know until they know that you care. So you're going to overcome imposter syndrome, not by first saying, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Look at me. You're going to say, hey, how can I love you? And how can I see you? Then they're going to be much more inclined to see, huh, hmm, maybe you do have a thing or two that you, you know, could offer me. And then they're going to listen. I mean, that simple truth is something that I have learned so quickly, not only just in business with a shop and online and things like that, but also with having influence, also with leading a team. I mean, it is so much easier to, I mean, I'm honestly the youngest person on my team, which I often find quite hilarious. Everyone that works for me, my contractors, my employees, everybody, everybody is older than me by at least a couple of years, and they probably are way more wise than me. But that's what allows me to do what I do because I gain so much wisdom, so much insight from them. I bring my ideas to the table. Heck yes, you better believe it. But I also have to learn to ask and to also um ask about them, to champion them, to encourage their gifts. If I can actually empower them and say, hey, you know what? I think you can tackle that email. You don't need to have me, you know, over it or whatever. The more that I can release control and um, champion them, the better it is and the less I have to prove. So that is a super helpful, practical, tangible tip for overcoming imposter syndrome. Number six, work your butt off. Seriously. No one is going to hand you life on a silver platter because you have a nice resume on a screen or your Instagram profile is pretty or you did this or that. To be honest, in our insecurity that can come from feeling like I have to fake it till I make it, we can almost sometimes become like, oh, I deserve this or even kind of become entitled even though we probably don't mean to because we're working so hard to prove our worth. We're working so hard to prove on paper rather than just getting down in the dirt and digging in and doing the hard work that it takes that's unseen, that people don't always understand, that doesn't look cool on Instagram, that doesn't reflect some, you know, fancy resume, but that actually gives us the skills it takes and the and the tools necessary to actually succeeding at life. No one's going to just hand it to us. And, you know, every now and then you might get a lucky break, but I'm going to tell you, yeah, things might evolve. You might, you know, try something and it'll turn into something amazing. But I want to emphasize my shop didn't just, you know, succeed overnight because I posted cute stuff on Instagram. No, it was something that I worked really hard at that I had to be really, um, I guess, dedicated to and even be dedicated, so dedicated that I was willing to take a pause during a season of life that I wasn't able to steward it well so that I could come back and hit the ground running so that I could really take it in more directions than just being a retail shop so that I could really steward my voice and my personal brand and all of these other things that come with creating something that is not small potatoes. And I, you know, I don't say this because I'm like, oh, look at what I've done. It's more like I had to learn the hard way, um, especially because I 
for so long I thought, oh, this isn't a real job because I would totally disqualify myself, that if I want to make it a real job, if I actually really believe in maybe this is something more, I'm going to have to dig in and do the hard work and learn the hard way and ask questions and try things and fail and get up and do it again. And so you have to realize that when you feel like an imposter, it's not going to go away just because you do something impressive. It's going to go away when you press into what you are called to do and what you have to do in the tasks in front of you and do them well and work hard. We aren't entitled or deserving of anything. And so if you can put incremental, implementable, imperfect action into play day after day after day, that is when you're going to start to see not only results and fruit of your labor, but you're also going to be 10 times more confident even if you're a 22-year-old pre-college you know, college grad entrepreneur. I promise you. The last thing I want to say is to give yourself permission to be successful and to give your best. I think sometimes the things that can hold us back the most is our own fear because we look at all the reasons why we shouldn't be successful, all the things that we aren't qualified for. And so we actually don't give ourselves permission to not only experiment and explore, but also execute without a certainly perfect plan. I think Uh, or a certain or perfect plan. You know, I think we can see, oh, well, I only have this many years of experience and I only have this and that and I don't have any money or I only have $30 or whatever. You know what? Take that $30 and go and, you know, I hear this from, uh, there's there's an online entrepreneur my husband and I listen to sometimes and he just motivates me and fires me up because he talks about like, you can do anything with the internet now. And so if you really do have, you know, a little bit of creativity and some gumption and you want to give yourself permission to try, permission to succeed, you can execute step one without having this perfect plan all the way to step 82. I think we jumped to step 82, but he was like, take $30 and go to your garage sale and buy stuff and then sell it on Craigslist, turn around and make $60 and then go back and do the same thing. And then you build up. Now suddenly you have $300 and now you can actually start a website and you can start doing what you're passionate about doing, whether that's starting a photography business or an online shop or you know traveling abroad or whatever the thing is. Go allow yourself to explore and experiment and take the pressure off yourself to have this label or that label and an impressive answer for Aunt Mary at Thanksgiving. Like, let it go. Like, let it be. And if if people don't get it, that's fine. You can still work a practical job and explore your passions because sometimes those things might turn into a practical job. And even if they don't, even if it has nothing to do with your career and you just feel like an imposter or underqualified at whatever it is that you feel like you're in a season of doing, even if that's parenting, that is a job, you know, that's totally a job or um, unqualified to be in a certain social circle or whatever it is. You have to give yourself permission to execute before you have a perfect plan. The seventh thing is just give yourself permission to be successful. And even more than that, give yourself permission to just give your best. You don't have to be, you know, the most impressive person. You get to make an impact if you will first give yourself the permission to just start where you are. P.S. I turned down the internship that summer. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, there was a big opportunity cost, but I think what that taught me was that when I gave myself permission to explore, yeah, it came at a cost. I think it always does, but it ended up being so worth it. So I guess the whole point of me even telling you that story is not because you have to turn down every opportunity. Trust me, there's going to be some that are worth taking. But if you don't feel that you know, driving your soul or that joy in your spirit towards it, please realize that the best opportunities in life aren't always the ones others give to you, but the ones that you create for yourself. Remain committed to intentionally chasing your dreams because your story is far too exciting to settle for anything less. 
Hey sister, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I wanted to create this episode because I so relate to this topic. There are so many times where I have felt like a total imposter and completely ill-equipped when navigating the whole influencer, entrepreneur, and creative business thing. So I want to keep the teaching and equipping going in written form, whether you're a business owner or just dreaming about something. You can find a bunch of free tools to help you improve your writing and social media marketing game, and even learn how to grow a team like a pro with more clarity and less overwhelm. Just go to jordanleedooley.com slash business. It's all free. Just go to jordanleedooley.com slash business and uplevel your productivity and intentionality with all the free tools that await. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Finder, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit LastingMediaGroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.